0: He do not even care about me, y'all. I go out there, he looks at me, it's like, I don't even want you.
1: Aw, daddy on the case? Is he, is he with him? Aw, sorry, chopped liver. I hate that feeling. I've had that. I've had that. See, motherhood. What the heck? Motherhood. What the heck? <laughs>
0: Welcome to Pushing Past Polite, where we talk about what matters and make the world more just. I'm Corey,
1: And I'm Laura. And we're so glad you're here. What? <laughs> that was <laughs> a face. You don't like my name?
0: Oh, of course. I love your name. Oh, thanks. I would. It doesn't. Your name. It doesn't matter. I would love you no matter what. Oh. A rose by any other name.
1: Thanks. What if it was Edith or Ethel or Agnes? Be hard one. That'd be hard. So. I might make more assumptions about you. Mm. Agnes was cool, man. That's name. You know, a lot of old names have become new, but that's not one that I think can age and can transfer to this time. Agnes? Mm-mm, God, no. Mm. My apologies to all of our Agnes listeners. I could, I
0: could totally hear that being your middle name, Laura Agnes Kastner. Look at that. That just rolls together.
1: I don't know. Leck. Ooh, that's terrible. <laughs> I know what that is. Oh, this is funny, though. So we, I'll actually say this. We um, nearly named my kid. This is many many years ago over 10 years ago my first son we thought about my only son sorry why am i i have one kid one boy um we talked about jackson like liking that name and then i was like i'm way too new jersey for jackson i can't sell that mm. like i was born in jersey i can't sell that if we're, we live in the capital of confederacy no but we also realized that it could be nicknamed he'd be nicknamed jack and my last name starts with k-a-s-s so it would be jackass <laughs> Jack Aster. Yes, I was like, we can't do this, honey. This is not safe. You have to think about all the ways that kids are going to make all fun the of ways. you, and that's a very obvious one in my mind.
0: That is so funny. Yeah, you got. Yeah. That's why mm-hmm. names
1: carry a lot. You got to be real careful.
0: Yeah. Um, my my name. I think my mom wanted to name me Kenya, mm. and my aunt Dot, who is turning ninety this year, actually this month.
1: Wait. Is it today? Birthday. Happy birthday, Aunt Dot. Aunt Dot. I love you a lot. It's this weekend. I think it's this weekend. Have you sent her a card? Mm-hmm. Have you sent the card yet?
0: No. Okay,
1: well, let to take a break. We'll put on some elevator music. You can do that real quick.
0: I could do that. Yeah, no, I, I have gotten not as good at that. I'm going to get back into doing that.
1: Sorry, I, I took to you be... away. So, Aunt Dot had a had a big opinion about Kenya.
0: Yes, and she told my mom that she couldn't name me that because she didn't want people to be like Kenya. Can you get me? Can you get me? Can you get me? <laughs> like she was thinking about that way that people might might use the hmm. name, just like you were thinking about Jack Gasner. <laughs> yes, yeah, and yeah, mm-hmm. and so then my mom had a little boy named Corey, and like that name,
1: I love it. I think I love it. Yeah, we had a lot of names we couldn't use for for lots of reasons. Another one I liked was Prentice, like the idea of an apprentice, but not related to Donald Trump or the TV show. Definitely not. But I liked the idea of it meaning a learner. And I was like, oh, that really Mm. appeals to me as an educator to have a kid who's Prentice. And I knew a little boy named Prentice. And my friend was like, "Mm -mm, princess sounds way too much like princess. (laughs) He's going to get shoved (laughs) in a locker for that. So anyway, you got to bet all that stuff. Oh, man. But this Uh is the perfect segue because we wanted to talk today about motherhood and our decision to become mothers was something, you know, we chose or maybe as we've discovered and talked more, maybe didn't so directly. So let's get started about that. Um, Did you always know you wanted to be a mom? I think
0: so. Hmm. I always was drawn to the little people, Um, Hmm. you know, when I. Went to church more persistently and consistently. I taught the babies. I always had a small person. If I wasn't doing work in the church, (laughs) I often or
1: usually had a small person in my arms. You've got that baby magnetism. They love you.
0: Mm -hmm. And I could get them to go to sleep and just, you know, chill, relax kind of mode. Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
1: I similarly, babies did love me and little kids loved me. I babysat a ton, nannied a little bit in in high school and college. Um, Yeah, and then kind of fell into education, which, of course, is very kid-centric. And so um, I think it was always something that was on radar for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've had to interrogate the why a little bit more over time. What were you going to say about magnetic babies? And I cut you off.
0: Oh, but I also know that I couldn't be... You know, I ended up in teaching as well and as a classroom teacher as well. But I knew I for that setting, I couldn't do the small, the littles. Mm. I needed bigger people
1: mm-hmm.
0: who could regulate their emotions more and could more adeptly communicate <laughs> what their needs are.
1: Yeah. Instead of wiping noses and tying shoes all days. Right.
0: Yeah. And just like I get overstimulated with my two children that are small. I know that that context would just be overwhelming for me. And in church, there were a couple of, you know, like six babies and two adults. And it's like, oh, yeah, this isn't hard.
1: I like these ratios.
0: Yeah, I like these ratios. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like we can all be playing. But in a classroom setting, I knew that that was not my calling. Mm-hmm. Let's say. I also
1: liked with older kids, you know, being able to ask them something that they could respond to you in writing, right? Like in terms of an assessment, knowing what they knew there was a, you know, there was a threshold or a certain age at which they can show me what they know in a different way versus mm-hmm. with little ones. It's much more observational and kind of checklists and watching and looking for growth milestones. And um, that it's a challenge. It's a different skill set, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So you always thought you wanted to be mom. You were drawn to babies when you were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, so was that something in your process of dating and meeting your partner was that something that was on radar to talk about is like this is what I want to do
0: yeah yes absolutely when I was in my mid late 20s I was in like aside from my marriage um the long, might like the longest dating relationship that I had ever been in and my partner at that time had a small child mm. and so I got to have some of that parenting experience in relationship to him which was mm-hmm. he was a magical little human i'm sure he still is uh, a bigger human but that was just like oh and we we talked about that how i really wanted kids and like where is this going we're going to get to a place where where we're going to grow a family and things like that and it didn't work out which is fine because now i am here i'm here what about you how did your journey start
1: yeah, so I will back up and say that I was raised by a stay-at-home mom and my even for multiple generations. Like I don't think the women in my family pretty much ever worked uh outside the home. That's not to say it's not very intense work. Um but also culturally, so I come on my mom's side uh the maternal, the matriarch line. Everybody's Italian. Mhm. And so family is everything. I mean, picture all the all the uh, the tropes you hear in like mafia circles like the family that was very front and center in terms of like everything that mattered um so i grew up with the language already being around me that family was very important and my mom ma- all the women in that line their their sole role was in homemaker and and childcare yes and so certainly that rubbed off on me uh i, I mm-hmm. think in I will say, though, now, you know, it's one of those where I've, uh, here I am, fast forward however many years later, age 40, almost 41, and I'm very, very happy with being a mother. Like, wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. But I don't know that my choice was super conscious as I interrogate this and look back. I think so much of my upbringing was socialized to be caretaker and, you know, oldest daughter that has its own (laughs) implications, right? And so, you know, this is what you do. Laura, you're going to grow up. You're going to, you know, get married. You're going to have babies. And that message, maybe not super explicitly, but that was always a common thread. So I lived that out. And as I pause and look back, I don't know that I thought about the alternative, right? Like I have now colleagues that are similar age, maybe even a little younger or older, and either are not um, partnered or do not have children. And they have really rich, fulfilling lives. And yes, same. Like, really rich, fulfilling lives where I'm like, ooh, that sounds nice. Again, children, my children, if you're listening, I love you. I would never do it any other way. I like in terms of knowing you and having you on this earth. However, I never evaluated that as a choice for myself. I don't think there was ever space or a framework in my brain where I thought I could be a single, successful, fulfilled, person or even a married successful fulfilled person without children.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that either. My mom was a stay-at-home mom for the majority of our childhood too. And she she's the house manager, right? Yes. Let's let's be really honest. That's what that's what stay-at-home parenting is. It's like a full-time yep. 24-hour a day job. And I think that we were also similarly encouraged to seek out partnership and marriage. And, you know, we went to a church where people were getting married who all, you know, like in within the congregation. Right. Like people would start dating and get married. And so you're seeing these families grow and pop up and bloom um, in that context. And I also was under the perception and this is so like 1950s, I think where, or where the narrative started of you go to college to find a husband. MRS degree. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and so then there's some sort of like failing if you don't accomplish that. And I I think our generation and probably the generation right before us started not having that experience as persistently, you know, like I have some people who I went to high school with who are married to high school sweethearts. You know, and then I have, like you said, some friends who some people I went to high school with who are married and have partners and they have this thriving, booming, busy life and businesses and things like that. And, you know, one of my besties lives around the corner and he and his wife are 39 and 40, respectively, and they don't have children. And, you know, they're living good. They're living good. They they live in a We live in a great community. and. You know, I saw him the other day, and I borrowed something from him, and I was like, "Hey, when I can read, can I bring this back?" He's like, "Oh, we're going to be in Maine, so let's touch base n- next week."
1: <laughs> oh, can't do it then. We'll be in we'll be in Aruba then. So how oh, right, you know? Exactly. No, we're going to be in Europe in in April. I can't. Yeah, I-
0: yeah, yeah. And even just just uh, same with my female friends of mine who are unpartnered or uncoupled, um. And I have a mixed bag of the mothering concept. Some people are still very much longing for mm-hmm. that reality and that experience. And some people have found comfort and solid in, in their current experience and are thriving and living the best version of themselves, you know, like the
1: Chelsea Handler version kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because she know, talks I- about it a lot. She did. She recently did uh, some some videos that went viral on that that were really incredible. <laughs> um. You know, can I go back to the MRS degree? That was something that I felt and wanted deeply. Like I thought, this is my for this is my shot, this is my dating show window. I need to find the person, lock it down. And how crazy is that? Insane. Like we were babies. Insane. But I will. I still, even right now, in my body, feel a little bit of like, ooh, that didn't happen for me. What did that say about me that I wasn't chosen by the time I was twenty-two? It's sick. Yeah, I had no idea who I was. No. No, I have changed so much. I had no idea what dating was.
0: I had barely had a boyfriend in high school, let alone understand how to have a relationship that can be healthy and communicative enough where it culminates in a marriage at 22. Like, I had no idea what I was doing in life myself.
1: Yeah. Our brains aren't even fully developed until at least 25. Right. So, yeah,
0: but they used to marry women off at 13 and 14. As soon as you demonstrated that you, as soon as you menstruated, that yes, was your demonstration. That was your
1: demonstration. Of,
0: uh, that was your demonstration <laughs> <laughs> that
1: you're ready to be married off. And we were property. Hmm. Hmm. Well, it's, it's amazing to me, given where I think our generation is really pivoted, but not everybody. Like, I think I still held those views about what should be But then I'm living my life into an answer that's different. I think the generations after us, as is evidenced by these later years of having babies, people have pivoted more to that. But I will tell you, I felt very unchosen and very like I had failed my mission because I did not leave college with a husband at the time.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, I felt like I failed my mission for a really long time because Mm -hmm. I like had a 30th birthday and I didn't have a husband. You know, like, I didn't get married until I was 34. So I was feeling like there was something wrong with me. There was. I needed to heal and grow Mm -hmm. and investigate who I was and understand myself. I was not ready to be in a marriage.
1: In a partnership. I was
0: so immature in a lot of ways that I didn't know but I was demonstrating and communicating with my behavior and the way of be, my way of being. And mm-hmm. I was so mature in some other ways, you know. But yeah, I, I got married right around when I was supposed to. And it's so interesting because one of my friends I went to graduate school with is a little bit older than me. And she got married when she was 30. And I was her event planner for the day. and we would be talking about it after. And and she was like, I feel like that's such a, the right age, you know, like when you're 30 or in that early thirties, you're, you know yourself more. And so, and you've had enough experiences that you understand compromise and you, you're more who you are and, and who you're going to be. Right. You're, you're, you're closer to that, to that version of you. And so she felt like that she was a light for me. Around mm. not being married at 22, because I went to grad school twice and I still wasn't married and I was doing all this stuff, which is also very typical of Black women, right? Just mm. we just degree it on up until. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I, you know, I, unlike you, was married younger. <laughs> I got married at 25. I met my husband at 23. So this was post college, I was really young having graduated from college, I had just turned 21 when I graduated. So I was two years out, right, when I met him. And um, I will say I'm incredibly lucky, given how little experience I had in dating, that it has worked out so well. But to Mm -hmm. your point of this whole getting to know yourself and figuring out who you are and working out your shit, like that could have ended really badly. Um, I could have made a really bad quick decision because of that internal pressure to get the MRS degree, to have babies, to fulfill my purpose, you know? Yeah. Because that's how it was framed for me.
0: Yes. And then I ended up with somebody who, when, after we got married, or when we were talking about getting married, said, like, oh, well, you know, you don't have to change your name if you don't want to. You're like, huh, ha No, I was like, okay, he's that's like... That's awesome. Yeah, he's like, you, you have, like, a whole career. <laughs> mm, so you don't have to... um, change your name and the place that i received the pushback from that was it within my own family from my dad and my i was going to
1: ask how they felt about that
0: mhm mhm interesting um and then we waited to have children so we were married a couple of years mm-hmm. before because i got married at 34 and had our first, we had our first son when i was 37 the year I, that year I was, a couple months later i turned 38 Right. So.
1: So you had time to settle into the relationship and navigate living together first, too.
0: Mm hmm. And we bought a
1: house and like we did stuff,
0: you know, and you lived your best life like
1: your neighbors down the street, Aruba and (laughs) Maine and all the places. (laughs) right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We did all the things. And and, yeah, we just got to get to know each other better and and have that time for us while we're young, because we know we're going to have or we hope. And dream and believe we're ha- going to have that time again where it's just us when we're older, mm-hmm. um, and so. But I wanted to be a mama, and I remember my dad saying, which is so interesting. His he, after I had my older, my first baby, he said that he was worried that I wasn't going to have this experience, and he's so happy that I.
1: Oh, because in his mind, it didn't meet the timelines.
0: That's what I felt like. It. It. Mm. You know. It was just. I turned 25 and 30 and 32 and, you know, and I'm still not in that space. And then 35 and 36.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. So similarly, my husband and I were married for a while. Um, we OK, but we did not live it up big. And I regret that if I could turn back time. Right. If I could pull a share song out of the out of the air. I um, we got married. I was 25. He's nine years older than I am. so. Um, we got married at 25 and 34. And our first three years married, we lived long distance, part time. So I don't know if you knew this. Did you know this? You didn't look like, okay, you're shaking your head like you don't know. This. I did
0: not know this. Yeah.
1: So we were on the track to move towards marriage. We definitely were. That was in goal in mind. And he got an offer to go back to grad school and said, I don't you know with full ride, like they were going to cover him. We'll hold your job till you get back. It was an absolute win-win scenario but he said to me, he's like, I don't want to go unless you want to go with me. And so that really accelerated. Aww. I know. Oh, I'll never forget. He had tears in his eyes. I remember exactly where we were sitting in the house he had just bought for us to live in together. And all of a sudden we're moving. Like what is happening? You know? Um. So, yeah. So we talked that out. I said, okay, I'll, well, let's do it. And so we got engaged in I think two or three months later and then got married three months after that. Everybody thought I was pregnant because we got married so fast. I'm like, no, 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 that's not it. And so, but I got a, my, the job I had said, hey, how about you stay on part-time? We still need you. And so I would spend like four days a week with him and then three days a week in another city about three hours away. Um, and we did that for three years.
0: Wow. Laura. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, it w- I have to tell you, it was a lovely on ramp to married life because I uh, yeah, I was thinking that. It really was. People are like, "Oh my god, that's te- how hard is that?" I'm like, it really was pretty awesome. 4 days a week I, you know, played wife, right? We'd do our grocery shopping together, we'd go hiking, we'd do whatever. Make my meals for the week, pack it all up, go to the other city, have my girls' night once a week, do grad school two nights a week, and then I'd come home. And it was right. I like took on and off a hat of of being kind of having my single life a little bit and then having my married life. Mm -hmm. And we did that for three years. So our reason for waiting to have babies was that I was traveling and was going to have to do it alone or have this mobile life or give up my career because I didn't have connections where he was in grad school. And that just didn't seem to make sense, especially given that I was so young. Right. So um, we didn't have our first baby until four years into our marriage, which was mm-hmm. nice because we did have a solid bond, but we were both in grad school working on our doctorates all that time. So we, our whole life has been this like delayed gratification, right? We're gonna study, we're gonna work hard, so one day. And then it was like, okay, now that you're done with that, let's have babies. Well, one day you'll get to sleep, <laughs> one day you'll get to travel, one day. But that day ain't today. Mm-hmm. Um. So you know, if I think when I look at my friends who are without children by choice, okay, I want to be really clear that. You know, I know there are some people. Too, you had said that earlier, Corey, too. Like people that still long for this, for the people for whom this is a life choice and this is, you know, what they want. It's a, it's an option I never considered, but that could have been cool too. <laughs> we mm-hmm. could have traveled by now. We could have, you know, all the money we've put into childcare and college savings and feeding this many people. Um, it
0: kind of sounds attractive too. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. We travel a lot with the tiny humans. Like You're good at that. You're really good at that. You know, the big one just got him his own suitcase. He's three. He picked it out himself, brought it home and said, I want to get on an airplane and go see Nona. Oh, how
1: cute is that? No, you're really good about that.
0: Yeah. And he said, and you, you get on the airplane and you get on the airplane and you get on the airplane. We all get on the airplane. Yes, sir. I'll buy the tickets tomorrow. And he, he has his own suitcase and he's ready to pack it up and go see somebody.
1: <laughs> I love that. I don't think this is going to change for you because this is something you really value in your family. And I can tell that you'll go and do and you don't mm-hmm. you're not stressed about it. Like, we're going to do this. We're going to make it work.
0: hmm. But I won't travel for work. Say more. See, there's the difference. Right. So I will travel to go see family. Mm hmm. Because we're all going together. It's a shared experience. I still have a hard time breaking away to travel solo
1: for work. Mm -hmm. Well, and at this age, with your kids being this little, that's probably a reasonable boundary, honestly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, we don't travel as much as, as you do, but I wanna get better about that. I think we're still, part of us is still in this delayed gratification mindset of save, save, save in one day. Or, mm-hmm. you know, work, work, work in one day. And I'm trying to break us out of that more and more because these are really golden years with our kids. They love us. They want to be with us. They like each other. Let's do it. And they're all mobile. Yeah. And they can eat off a menu anywhere and mm-hmm. they can control their little bodies and go to the bathroom. Yes. And It's amazing. Yes. Yes. So, OK, so we talked about being raised, both of us, despite very different cultural geographic upbringing, same time in history, right? We're the same age. Um, we both were kind of indoctrinated with the idea that you need to be m- partnered off and you need to have babies. And that's part of your role or your contribution. <laughs> and we kind of lived our way into that. I don't know if it sounds t- like to me, you had a more conscious choice of saying, I'm choosing this. I want this. I feel like, and maybe that's, you correct me if I'm wrong. For me, I just did it and 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 thought that I wanted it. And I do now. And I love it. Children, if you're listening, But um, I did not properly evaluate because I was so young. I got married at 25. I don't think I properly evaluated what my other choices could have been.
0: Yes. And I think that because I wasn't as young. Yep. Either when I got married or when I started having children, that I did walk into it. Like, this was a conversation that we had because my husband was not really into kids the idea of having kids same
1: with mine same with mine
0: and so that was also part of the reason i didn't want to to get married have babies right away i that was another reason i wanted us to have some time together for us to create a bond for us to do things as a couple a married couple and stuff before we introduced more humans into our
1: world a very big variable stressors all of that
0: a very huge variable that changes everything it does and i also want to acknowledge how mothering by choice or not by choice which is the direction that many of our laws are moving toward Mm. (laughs) yeah um you know people who really want to be moms and aren't coupled
1: Mm. and so
0: they Just choose to be moms. Yep. And the things that they have to navigate in terms of being everyone. And I think that my grandmother did that. Um, My mom's mom, that she was married with those children. The marriage didn't work out, and she was a single mom. But and she wanted to a protect my mom and uncle so she took them everywhere and she also wanted to model something for them i think so Mm. she was in school and working multiple jobs and trying to create a life that could propel them to do whatever they wanted Mm. i that i think that was a lot of their her mindset around her receiving her own degrees she has two master's degrees that she got going to school at night um she cleaned offices. She worked at a furniture store. She worked at a law firm. She um was with those degrees, she was an administrator. And she was like us. Like she just thought that this is what you're supposed to do. You have babies, you're supposed to have you're supposed to get married, have babies, and do whatever. And the situation that she found herself in was not part of that picture that gets painted Mm -hmm. and so she had to make a different decision and that required her to be working and go to school and and just keep on moving herself in that direction and we have people who are our peers who are uncoupled who want children so they just had them
1: yes which of course
0: right they go through all the things necessary that is a whole another set of intense experiences yes
1: with barriers to access and with barriers yep. to a, all kinds
0: of things and i remember telling my parents once and, and they're just like conservative in certain ways like religiously conservative in some ways uh telling them about a couple people who they knew it's like oh so and so just had a baby or so and so has a baby and they're like the first question they ask is when like when they get oh, married you know Yes. Are they married? That's Uh the first like the first question. And I and and so we have been over the last few years having these conversations in my own family with my parents around disrupting that construct. Mm. Right. That everyone doesn't have to be married to have babies. Yep. And, you know, that's another side of the same discussion around bodily autonomy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) women having bodily autonomy, why does she need to be coupled or married in order to have a baby?
1: Yeah, that that's her license. That's,
0: yeah, that's such, such uh, so, so grounded in just
1: like patriarchal thinking, right? That construct. Yeah, because women don't have ability or agency on their own, right? Being mm-hmm. landowners, mm-hmm. being going to school. These things are more modern innovations, right? And so- mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. idea of needing the umbrella or the coverage of the 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 man to care for you is so much ingrained in even the institutions we still see as things are changing. Yeah. Um. Also, too, I'm thinking about, you know, folks who are who choose motherhood, who need, you know, intervention through IVF and other types of um, technologies, because either maybe it's a, a lesbian or gay couple. That's what I'm
0: talking about. Or just a single mom who wants to have a mom, a single woman who wants to have a baby. So they have to go and flip through a book and then they have to go through the process of, yeah. Oh, and I have to say this.
1: My friend would freak out if I didn't interject. She recently discovered that she was, her father is not her biological father, that she was conceived through a sperm donor. Her family never disclosed that to her. And that has just sparked all this trauma in their extended family. Wow. So I say that to say like. This is all so heavy and could be its own episode. And maybe we talk about that later. But um, Mm -hmm. I I will say that persisting over obstacles to become mothers is something that I so admire. Whereas for me, and again, I'm fortunate in some ways because I like the way things turned out. (laughs) But it did not unfold that way. It was like, okay, let's do this. We did this. It's done, you know. And so I really Mm want to I want to acknowledge the challenges that folks face to choose motherhood despite some really crazy odds.
0: Yes. And can I just say out loud, I don't know who needs to hear this, but stop asking women when they're going to have a baby. Thank you. Just stop it. Stop asking women. Or when you're going to get married. Or when you're going to get married. Like, just stop. First, you have no idea what the journey is that they're on. And so that question in and of itself is just so insensitive, so disrespectful, so inconsiderate. And it's none of your fucking business,
1: Yeah, to be honest. It sends the message that we were talking about <laughs> earlier that your function in society is this and only this. Don't do that.
0: Yeah, don't do that. Don't ask a, mar- a woman who's married when they're, well, are you guys ever? Stop asking people who have two girls or two boys when they're going to have the other sex of the baby, you know, the other sex, like, Mind your. this is not, do I know you?
1: For real, for real. I'll never forget when I, because my kids were all born really close together. I had three kids under four for a little while. And I remember- Uh (laughs) You need CPR over there? You all right? I think so. (laughs) It was crazy shit, man. It was wild. That's enough. Well, yeah. So I remember though being in a grocery store and strange men that I did not ever meet or know or had any reason to be asking me you know how that happens, right? Like, as if I didn't figure out, like, th- this was some accident
0: or yeah. it just was
1: really offensive. Just don't comment on people's fertility yeah. at
0: all. Just don't. Like, at all. At all. At all. At all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, let's just continue down this road, though, of diversity of motherhood. Yes. Choosing motherhood through having to go through this process of preparing your body with or without a partner. Adoption. Yes. Foster, foster care.
1: Kinship care
0: and grandfamilies. Kinship care. There's so many different ways that motherhood shows up. Or just, you know, you're the mama in the neighborhood. The mentor. They have parents. Yes. <laughs> but you're still the mama, right? Yes. Um, and in a lot of these scenarios, and almost all of them, at some point, motherhood feels lonely. Mm. And that's something that I don't know that we always talk about. Mm. Right. As you're as you're navigating four under four in the grocery store with some man asking you questions or making comments and you're looking around like, I know all of you people heard him just say that Mm. and no one says anything. You're trying to manage your emotions. You're trying to manage the emotions of the kids while getting the things on your grocery list and not having them pick everything up off the shelf or accidentally put their arm out and slide.
1: (laughs) Or lose a finger (laughs) at the checkout counter. Or lose a finger at the checkout
0: counter. Yes, everybody wants to help. Managing the help schedule. You know, and this was before um, self-checkout was a consistent and regular uh, common thing in grocery stores, right? At some point, motherhood feels lonely. It does. It can. And, you know, it's whether you're sitting in the room, everybody's finally freaking asleep, and you smell something. (laughs) <laughs> and asking yourself, is and you that, that me? you follow that smell? Is this, is that, is that me? Where is that coming from? <laughs> yes. Um, you know, so often there isn't space for people to be able to just say today was hard. And I think we are, we are in a generation, you and I, and we're moving into a space where people are being much more honest about the experience. Um, I was watching a video yesterday and that was a woman being like, let me just, let's, can we normalize just the house not always being in order and the TV being on and the laundry <laughs> being in the washing machine for two days mm-hmm. before we wash it again and put it in the dryer? And like, can we just normalize that what we see on Real Housewives is not how most houses look? And you shouldn't feel shame mm-hmm. if the dishes are not, if the counters in the kitchen are not all completely clear and candles aren't burning and like,
1: yeah, no, if i learned okay. anything in motherhood, it's the way you manage is by lowering the bar and lowering it again and lowering it again on the things that don't matter. You raise the bar on things that do, which is spending time with your kids or, you know, modeling the kind of humans you want them to be through your actions, which requires a lot of effort, keeping them alive. Right. But the other stuff is very optional. Very. Yes. And, you know, I think that having this these transparent conversations about how challenging motherhood is, is so important for so people can evaluate and decide if they want to do it. My mom always, which is very loving and sweet, always framed motherhood in terms of the best experience of her life. And she loved it and loved it and loved it and loved it. That's great, but like I was not adequately prepared for how hard it was, and I will say especially because I was an educator first and I had all this babysitting experience. I'm like I got this, and I've I will never forget first night home first baby from the hospital. They are uh, the whole time we, we were in the hospital five days because I had a C-section, and the, all the nurses oh he's so good what a good baby. I get home and I'm like this baby's broken. Why can I not get this baby to do what I need this baby to do, which is sleep mm-hmm. right now? I like an idiot, like a young idiot that I was. I called the hospital. I was like, "Hi, remember me? I'm so and so's mom. The really good <laughs> baby." Left here, I just Can left. You tell and me they're like, "What you were doing?" Like, exactly. Of course, they've changed shifts. Yeah. They have no. They probably say that to right. every mom. But I was like, "Help!" And that feeling of being underwater has really not stopped. <laughs> yeah, it. My capacity has grown, but it is not stopped.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, but, well, also you have shifted, but like we were just saying, the priorities. Yes. What are the things that actually matter? And so keeping them alive and, and ensuring that they know that they're loved. Yes. And modeling what kindness and care is, you know, and, and holding them to that standard of, being kind and caring and then valuing the relationship that they have as siblings. Right. Mm-hmm. One of the most important relationships they're ever going to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: no, that takes energy, but it's that's, you're it right. That's energy. where the priority goes. That's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to talk about like that. The choice of motherhood has consequences in our society too. Good and bad. Right. On one hand we're told we've fulfilled our purpose and you know how lovely and they're beautiful. And you have this, Generational legacy, which is beautiful and wonderful, and I don't want to discount that. But the impacts on a woman's career, the impacts on a woman's on a family's um, disposable income, because there's not healthcare, care, child care, all of this provided by our government, which it just is what it is. Right. Um, right. The cost of raising kids by feeding them, sending them to school, clothing them, activities, all of this, Mm -hmm. this is a Mm -hmm. real cost. And I want to be very transparent about the fact that choosing motherhood means you are devoting resources that could otherwise go to (laughs) you or other Mm -hmm. things you want to do. And while society has some work to do on that differential impact for women, um, it's A reality check. When you say society, you mean these United States of America. Oh, very much. These United States of America. I have friends Mm -hmm. that live in Norway that have a year paid leave for each baby. Yeah. Right. Right. And universal health care and college paid for and and Mm -hmm. and. Right. So this is not how it has to be, but this is how we choose for it to be.
0: Right. Because capitalism.
1: Because capitalism.
0: White supremacy patriarchy
1: because you (laughs) because women your role is reproduction only and will handle the rest
0: yeah and and so even though we live in a society where it is almost a requirement to have a two income household in order to live even in that context well you either have a two-person household and you live well or you have one person who is making the bank And uh, the other person who is the default parent who maybe works, but doesn't work at the same capacity as one person. But we need them to be working because that's how we afford
1: things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Yeah.
0: Or or Um, people who are working
1: two and three jobs but are not living comfortably because we don't pay a living wage.
0: Exactly. Because we don't pay a living wage. And so we have multi generational households and the grandparent is. Watching and helping with the kids so that people can go to work and, you know, do that sort of thing. Um, but yes, just choosing motherhood, there are all of these elements that come with it from the way that your body has to grow, shift, and evolve if you're choosing motherhood through uh, that way, the way that you are going through hormonal shifts and changes during pregnancy, after pregnancy the um, emotional toll of being the mother to a very new child, like new into the world child. So whether you birth that child or not, there is still a significant emotional toll that comes with just parenting and understanding what the cries mean and how much is the right amount of milk or food and you know all of these things when when can you when should they be doing such and such a thing is my baby underperforming or overperforming mm-hmm. should i be scared are they breathing i know we're supposed to sleep sleep them on their back but what happens if they roll on their stomach should i be mm-hmm. now i'm watching them all the time cuz i don't even know if they I'm, I'm doing this right and you know who am i supposed to call and and is there ghostbusters right is there a book for this all of the all of that so then you have anxiety that you didn't have before mm-hmm. because you're supposed to be keeping humans alive but you don't know if you're keeping them alive because they're asleep in the room over there because those are western traditions that's what they taught us to do
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then as your kids get older it gets less physically demanding and more emotionally demanding What's going on? Right. I hope that they're not feeling rejection right now at school. Are they making good choices about their friend circle? How are they going to transition to middle school next year? How are they going to are they going to fit in like all the things? And are this they, is for are norm- they
0: telling me things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And this is even assuming normally developing healthy children. What about medically complex children? What about children who have special needs? It's just like I think about how stressful and wonderful and wonderful, but how stressful motherhood is. And I have a capable partner. I have an education which affords me a decent job at a living wage. And I have three healthy children who are who do well in school. You change any one of those variables. And my, I mean, I'm already stressed, y'all. How does this work? hmm. And, and it goes back to the system not
0: supporting the structures, the institutions not supportive. And so that's another a whole nother set of questions you have to
1: ask. And motherhood is immersive. It's all the time. It's every part of who you are, your emotions, your body, your spirit, your resources, your capacity, it's all consuming. And so <laughs> to bring this full circle, um, choosing motherhood is something or not, I firmly believe is something that everybody should make conscious In their thought process, as opposed to whoops, I found myself here, Um, both because of bodily autonomy and you need to be able to have the right to choose that, um, but also because you want to go in eyes wide open because it is so wonderful and hard. And I think people like uh, Rachel Cargill, are you familiar with her, Corey? Oh my God, she's incredible. Look her up on Instagram, but she is starting the Rich Auntie Supreme movement. (laughs) This idea of like, you can live a wonderful, soft life without children and still be fulfilled. And I think having those models for people um, is really important, too, that your your worth is not defined on the productivity of your ovaries and uterus and that you your value is and your your ability to live a fulfilled life can be so much more than this if this is something you don't choose. So don't feel pressured.
0: Right. Our ex our standard of what fulfillment means do you hear that I do um day in the light it's, baby it's up right it's up to us right like we shouldn't all we shouldn't let other people or society or things tell us what make us feel whole well and, and fulfilled and so for some people that's having the most amazing partner and doing things with the two of them for some people it's having the baby and absconding from the partner for some people it's it's adopting and pulling people and there's just a variety of ways all right let me go see what's going on
1: oh go check go check
0: he don't even care about me y'all i go out there he <laughs> looks at me it's like i don't even want you
1: oh daddy on the case is he is he with him oh sorry chopped liver i hate that feeling i've had that i've had that. see motherhood what the heck motherhood what the
0: heck <laughs> I don't know. I just I feel like we just having these kinds of conversations and being able to be more candid and honest about all the ways that motherhood is both. Yes.
1: And beautiful
0: and challenging. Finding is really commonality
1: important. and to, using that for activism and advocacy to change our systems to be more f- comfortable, to more be more supportive for mothers is something we need to remember. We have power. We are 50 percent of the population, friends. And uh, our partners should care about this, too. And many of them do. Um, But this idea of being able to choose motherhood or not and letting that be an option for families is so important because the costs and the like all the costs, right? Emotional, physical, like you have to be ready for that. And once you choose it, we need to be pro-life through their lifespan. How can we support moms as humans? How can we support these children as they grow? All of that. So Um, remembering that we have power in these conversations as they become more commonplace, hopefully can normalize the idea that this is not how it has to be. And I think we're
0: sitting at the intersection of that, like, in terms of our age and generation, where we Mm. are positioned to see the spectrum of that, in terms of the diversity of motherhood, the choosing or not choosing motherhood, Right within my friend group or my extended friend group, I can see all these variations of motherhood, whether it be adoption, whether it be choosing to be a single parent, whether it be um, starting early or starting late or not starting at all, you know, um, having a child who has Down syndrome or some or some other difference in ability, you know, That's one of the reasons, A, that we need to be having these conversations, B, that we need to be mobilizing, and C, recognizing the implication of things that seem not that big to you having reach and impact on how other decisions are made. So I'm saying that to say like this bodily autonomy for women, taking away those rights is just a gateway to so mm. many other kinds of ways that the government can oversee and manage human beings and their bodies. Right. If we allow if we allow the government to make decisions about women, mm-hmm. which is make up who make up 50% of the population, right? Then, what is holding them back from doing other things and making decisions about the kinds of supports available for um, for people who have different ability and limiting access to resources for them, or people who are aging and need additional mm-hmm. occupational therapy or PT and limiting resources for it them? It gets
1: dystopian real fast, very fast,
0: very fast. So, very fast. And we need to be awake and paying attention. So bodily autonomy, choosing motherhood, not choosing motherhood, just that ability to choose yes, is something that we should always be fighting for and ensuring that everyone has those abilities to choose, to be who they are without the constraints of
1: society telling them who they're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Which then has implications across issues, right? Rights, rights, civil rights for all people in all ways. Yes. Mm hmm. Yeah. I think that's the perfect way to to rap. Yeah. Do Boop, boo boop, boop, boo, boo, Are you singing? Is that? Oh, that's our song. hmm. <laughs> this is a very different, different <laughs> instrument, but I like it. <laughs> Before we wrap up today, we just want to thank everybody for their incredible support thus far and being with us on our journey and listening to these conversations. Um, The best compliment we could receive is for you to share this with somebody else and to um, continue the conversation in your own sphere. So um, we would really appreciate it if you would help us by rating and reviewing and sharing with a friend. We drop every other
0: Wednesday. Follow us
1: on all the socials.
0: So you know when the next episode's live on all the socials.
1: Wonderful! Thanks, Thanks so much Laura. for joining this us for great. pushing past. Bu- <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to rap. No rap. No. Thank you for uh, for being transparent about your journey. I love seeing the commonalities and some of the differences too. And here's to the rich aunties. If you want to adopt me, you know where to find me.
0: Right? Can I get me a rich auntie?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we we'll are the rich aunties. <laughs> oh God, we're becoming auntie age. I don't know about the rich part. Remember all these babies we have. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on Pushing Past Polite, where we talk about what matters and make the world more just. Until next time, I'm Laura. I'm Corey. Bye.
0: Thank you so much for listening. We encourage you to go deeper in your trusted spaces or cultivate new spaces that foster meaningful connection. Please follow us on social media to keep the conversation going. We are at Pushing Past Polite on Instagram and Facebook and Push Past Polite on Twitter. Pushing Past Polite is an independent podcast with Corey
1: and Laura from Just Educators. Our cover art was designed by Rachel Welsh DeIga of DeIga Designs and our audio is produced by Keith at Headset Media. Until next time, don't get stuck talking about the weather have conversations that matter, and make your world a bit more just.